Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Welcome to Jen Lowry Writes. Today, I am so excited to share a special guest with you guys. Maureen is here and she has penned one of my favorite books of the year. It is called Lucky Brilliant. And I truly feel lucky and blessed to have found this book. And I just am going to shout it to the rooftops forever. And Thankfully, Maureen is here with us to share about the story. So, Maureen, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Thank you so much, Jen, for having me on your show today. I really appreciate it. I'm just going to hold up the book so they can see the cover. Love it. So, Maureen, tell everybody a little bit about you. Okay. Well, um, I have lived in North Carolina for 24 years now, but my accent will give me away sometimes. So, you'll probably figure out by the end of this show that I grew up in New Jersey and went to Rutgers University there. And um, after graduating from Rutgers, I moved to California, Southern California, and then to Pennsylvania, and then eventually North Carolina. And I have always wanted to be a writer. I didn't think I was good enough to be a writer when I was in college. So I studied psychology because I'm really curious about people and behavior. And I also received a certificate in industrial education while I was there. And presently I'm a teacher at Alamance Community College. I teach um, technical writing, creative writing, writing across the disciplines, essay writing, any kind of writing. And we've gone online, so I'm teaching six or seven classes online right now and um, trying to manage my writing life as well. So that often um, has to wait until the weekends or late at night. So I write poetry, short stories, and now novels. A um, little bit about me. <laughs> so show us your stack. Okay. Okay, so... I, I've published a lot of poetry books and I also have a short story collection that came out, I don't even remember what year, but um, The Slow Vanishing is a book of flash fictions as well as longer stories. Most of them were published in literary journals in various places. And it took me about seven years to, to write this. I actually have a new short story collection, but um, sending it out to find a publisher right now. Um, and then I have a lot of these are called chapbooks. Chapbooks are shorter poetry books. It's usually what you start out with. Um, this is actually my first poetry collection after the fairy tale. It's about what happens after the fairy tale ended. Those are kind of fun. And after I went through a divorce, I wrote a book called The Art of Departure. Those are kind of interesting poems if you have gone through a divorce. Um, and this one is Eulogy for an Imperfect Man. That had to do a lot about um, my father's death. And this is beyond fairy tales because I wasn't yet done writing fairy tale poems. 
This is one of my favorite covers too. These are more kind of retellings of the fairy tales. Those are fun. My most recent book is, poetry book is Dancing with Dolly. This came out around the time the pandemic started. So I had all these wonderful readings scheduled and had to cancel them, but I've done some Zoom readings. And these are called ekphrastic poems. They, that's when you respond to art. So I responded to images from Picasso, Magritte, and many other, uh, a lot of surreal poets. These are kind of fun um, and interesting. So if you're an art lover or poetry lover, you might like this one. And they're with various publishers. So I've been at this for a very long while. And, and the reason I got kind of more advanced with my poetry writing is I had three sons in 34 months and I didn't have um, long periods of time to write novels, even short stories. So I had to set aside my fiction writing and wait until my kids were in school. And then when they finally were all in school, I was able to come back to my short story writing and started getting short stories published and um, been hanging out with novelists for a long time. And I was inspired by them. And I felt it was a challenge to try to write a longer story. So my longer story turned into this young adult novel, Lucky Brilliant. And so you did find it a challenge jumping from poetry in the chat books to the YA. It was a challenge, but mainly because um, I think my time has always been a little bit limited. Um, I'm either working so much or, um, you know, before I was hired full time at the community college where I worked, I was actually working three different jobs. Um, and when I finally had a little more time, when I had just one full time job and my kids were out of the house, I could finally come back to writing something longer. And it was kind of like running a marathon. I wanted to see if I had the endurance to keep going. And it was really kind of freeing and fun. And the deal with myself is always, I'm going to do this as long as I'm having fun. And I was having fun. I learned a lot. It was like getting a PhD in novel writing, just finishing this. And I actually put it away for a long while and had to come back to it and figure out how to edit my own work. Mm -hmm. And then luckily I married um, my second husband who is a wonderful writer in his own right. And he's also a great editor. So when I took out this rough draft, we, we used to read it at night. Um, I almost forgot I had written this and then I met Barry. And at night he he would read a chapter a night to me and and he's pretty straightforward with me. He'll tell me if something is not good. And he said, you know, I really like this. I think you could do something with this. And he encouraged me and I encouraged him with his writing and he's gotten a lot of stuff published since then. So um, I decided to dive back in and to edit the book. And then I sent it out to some small presses and uh, I found one, so I felt very fortunate. And so this was actually a revival book then. So you already had the first draft written and it was just pretty much there? Well, I had I had a draft and I had changed the point of view. I had previously done some edits. I first thought this was more of an adult book, actually. And I originally had it written in four different points of view. And I showed it to a writer friend and she said, you know, I think it's really the point of view of, of, of Lucky. 
And maybe this is young adults. And I said, you know, you're right. But, but then I got busy and didn't have time. So when I did get back to it, I uh, rewrote it in that point of view. And, and it's lovely. It's poetic. So your flair of poetry and love comes out in Lucky Brilliant's thoughts and just the way that you phrase sentences. It is just like this simplistic beauty as I go through. And I told you this before, guys, y'all know I live a busy life. And I'm working and homeschooling until late at night because I homeschool my kids. And so it's like, okay, I'm reading. I'm just going to read a chapter. That's what I tell my husband. I'm like, Eli, I'm going to read a chapter right now. And then I'm going to come back to it tomorrow. I stayed up until after midnight. I could not put the book down. I finished the book in one sitting. Like, I honestly first, I loved that her name was Lucky, even though it's later on she reveals her real name. But I was like, oh, I just love the name Lucky. It's so <laughs> unique. Um, and then when I started to go through her story, I could feel her. Mm -hmm. So going through that POV allowed me to feel her. Mm -hmm. That's like good. when she was hungry. Yeah. Yeah. I felt when she was sad, when she was worried, when she was trying to carry grief. I felt all of those emotions with her. And so I felt like that was a special journey that young adults can go through and really connect with your character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think that young adults need to read about some things they're going through. And I think neglect and hunger are issues that teenagers are afraid to talk about. Um, as a kid, I grew up in a uh, tough household and I think it's important to be able to have pe people that relate to you. Um, it's not something they might talk to their friends about, but if they can find someone in a book who has that experience and they don't feel alone, I think it's really important to um, make them feel um, less isolated, less isolated, like, like it's okay. And maybe things will turn out later and they'll get through this also. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I found with each chapter. There was some type of hope that was written within and just like all tangled up, even in the middle of a chapter where there was uncertainty. You just knew there was this burning hope somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I also love the endearing relationships because that best friend relationship that you had set up there, even though they were quite different, mm -hmm. not only in dress and in personality and their outlook. One was thinking of painting. One was thinking of boys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I loved that relationship. It felt like such a real friendship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there was no jealousy, you know, the animosity, the girl backbiting friendship relationship kind of drama. It was just showing that there can be true friendships, enduring friendships between young adults where they can support one another and lift each other up. Yeah. And, and even, even if you have one friend as a teenager, um, it, that can be so very impactful in your own life. Her friend and her friend's family kind of looked out for her and fed her 
And there was also the character of Mr. Keene, the kindly older neighbor. And I actually <coughs> based him loosely on a neighbor that I had. There was um, this older couple in my neighborhood in New Jersey, and um, they had no children. And this neighbor used to let me sit outside, um, I think it was on his front lawn. He'd be sitting out there on a lawn chair and I'd come and join him. And he used to read The Wizard of Oz to me. And it was so nice having this wonderful, caring person with this deep, great reading voice share that with me because I love to read. And I think it's important that kids have mentors like that. And I wanted to bring, and he's quite different in my book, of course. And, um, but that was sort of the kernel of creating the character of Mr. King. But I love how you're able to honor him in that way, honor mm -hmm. a past memory in that way. Mm -hmm. And I loved Mr. and Mrs. King. I love them both. Mm -hmm. Do you know what it, okay. So I'm skipping a little bit. I want to tell you something first before I forget it, to, to say it to you. But Eva is my aunt's name. But oh. we we never called her Eva. We call, and it's funny, we called her Aunt Eva, like Eva, really long <laughs> with an er on the end. Yeah. And so I am sorry, but when I read her name, she was Eva throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Like I, could not, I could not distinguish between that Eva and that Eva. So I was just like, forget it. It's in my own head. I can call her whatever I want. Yeah, that's fine. But I loved it. But with the relationship with the neighbor, Katie Camillo is one of my favorite authors. And it reminded me so much of Because of Winn-Dixie and how that community, the neighbors and the welcoming of the neighbors, it was just just such a way where kids today may not connect with the people that are right very beside them. Mm -hmm. They may not take the time to say, well, who does live next door? Mm -hmm. How could this person, how could I help this person? Right. What could I do for this person? To, you know, not only just make the pocket change or, or, or to do that or to go and be able to buy food or, or whatever. But how could I just spend time with this person and right. feel their life, too, with something magical, which is the gift of time? Yeah. And so I, I love the integration of the neighbors in the story. Now, Silas was my guy. And I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, I love the Silas character. This whole sweet, budding, innocent romance that just starts. It gives also youth an understanding that when things can be horrible and when things can be devastating, there are pockets of light that can shine through. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a pocket of light yeah. to me. A light you call literally a pocket of light. That's all I'm going to say. No spoilers. It was it was a challenge. So so Silas is a character who, who because of uh, a big incident that happens in the book previously, um, it has lost the ability to speak. So it was a challenge to create a love interest character who cannot speak. But in a way, it was the perfect love interest for Lucky because she needed someone to listen to her. And even though her friend Ava is wonderful, Ava's quite chatty. And, um, you know, she kind of takes the spotlight. So Silas, because he is silent, you know, like his name, Silas, um, he, he's caring, 
in a quiet way. And he comes along, I mean, he, he lives near her, so he's always been there, but I, I wanted to develop that um, so that she would have another person in her life to listen to her. But he was present. But he was present, yeah. He was present. Yeah. And you could tell even early on, or I could, I was like, oh, this is going to get really good. Like, this is, <laughs> is going to get really good. And I just, I love the, all of the dynamics coming at me at once. And I think that that is the magic of the page turner. Yeah. Is because you had all of these mysterious elements in there with the enduring friendships and the sweet romance. But then you're having the family turmoil and the breaking apart of a home. And then you've got her abilities showing up. Okay. My husband tells me no spoilers. Don't ever do this when I interview. So I don't want to give too much away. There's a little bit in the blurb there. So I don't feel too bad about just saying the abilities there. But I love that part because it added a sense of her connection with her aunt and it layered it with that family dynamic that they had always had with the aunt. Well, I don't I don't think it's a spoiler. I think I, yeah, don't, I don't want to I didn't want to give too much of that away. But well, I love that, Aunt Robin. I loved her character. And when she drove up in that van, I actually laughed out loud, Maureen. Like I, I did. Like, I, was, I could see it. Oh, like, coming up in that van. With the shit, like, oh, it was just great. It's not a spoiler. I mean, it's on the back of the book. Yeah. Just read a couple lines. When Lucky begins to have psychic dreams that predict the future, she tries to prevent more terrible events from happening. Yeah. So um, her aunt, Robin, who's another good role model for her but lives far away, um, also has psychic dreams. So some, some people believe they run in families, you know, these abilities, if you believe in them. And so she has somebody to share that with and ask questions about it. And it's, it's something that starts happening after the um, death of her father. And she doesn't quite know what to do with it. And she, she makes attempts to try to change the future and then craziness unfolds. <laughs> yes. Which I loved how those pieces also fit well together and how that continued to help deepen relationships within the book, mm -hmm. the friendship relationships and the community relationships. Right. Like I could go on and on talking about Lucky Brilliant. I'm telling everybody <laughs> that I know. I'm like, guys, y'all got to go get this book. It is five star, oh. but it is like book of the year. Like there are books that hold with me forever, Maureen. Right. Like, Seriously, like Ramey Nightingale series, the three rancheros from Kate DiCamillo, those characters that she wrote mm -hmm. are going to stay with me like forever in my life. And Lucky's going to stay with me. She's one of those characters that just kind of sticks in your heart. And you just say, she's got that sticky fingerprint right there. <laughs> I like that sticky freak. I have, um, I'm a big reader and I, I still remember books from my own youth where things stayed with me, you know, going back to Judy Bloom and, um, you know, I can name books that I'm forgetting authors already, but um, E.B. White, Charlotte's Web. Yeah, you, yes, the Charlotte's Web. Farm yeah. and, you know, the Great Gatsby and all these great books. So things do stay with you. And, you know, if I can um, t 
if I can touch one person or connect with one person, I'm really happy as a writer. So it's so good to hear that from you. Oh yeah, sticky fingerprint. <laughs> and I love middle grades and YA books. Mm -hmm. Like I just navigate to that genre. Not only do I write in it, you know, but and I can I can write adult books, but I'm always coming back mm -hmm. to the middle grades and the YA. And there's just something about books that matter in yeah. that age group. Yeah. We need more books that matter. Yeah. Well, I don't find a lot of more literary fiction in the young adult category. And I think the challenge with this book is to have that psychic dream element combined with realistic literary fiction. Um, very, It's very hard to do. I, I'm a little worried about having an audience for that. Um, I, I kind of tend to write more literary fiction, I guess. I had so much fun writing this book though. And, and now my struggle is um, I'm writing a new young adult book, but I've just finished a women's fiction book also. And I'm really excited about that one. And it's completely different. It's about four friends and dating during the internet age. And it's, it's a really fun read. I just, I think it would be a great kind of commercial fiction book. Um, I'm shopping agents. I'm trying to get an agent for that one, but you know, that's a, that's a tough road. And, and I'm also, I, I have, I'm just four, four chapters into a new young adult book um, that takes place at the beach. So um, I need to keep working on that, but I, I just don't have a lot of time right now, but I can't wait to get back to that and get going on that one. But what I hear is that it should not be a struggle for your thought process for that readership because you honored Lucky's story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And because you honored her story and you, you let it be told, I, I do not read it as, I have to force it into this box. Mm -hmm. Let's just throw this in because that could be a pitch or a hook. No, it was lucky. Yeah. It was a part of her being and it exuded from her from beginning to end. And so by you honoring that, you will get your readers. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very fond of lucky. I, I have a place in my heart for her permanently and I kind of miss her. It's kind of sad when you finish writing a book and editing a book and then, you know, you send your child out into the world and hope uh, hope it finds uh, a place on people's bookshelves and in people's hearts. Um, but I, I would like to see more uh, young adult literary fiction. I think, I think there are still a lot of readers, uh, young people who want good books um, that they can read. I feel like the voices never leave me. Once I put them on a shelf, and they're printed and published. I'm still writing poetry for for a book that I wrote in 2007. I wrote Sweet Potato Jones in 2007, and I still have wow. voices in my head. And so this week, I'm writing a poem from one of the the males in there, and I'm like, okay. I'm sitting here writing about maize right now. And last week I'm writing poetry that's from sweet potato. And I'm like, <laughs> guys, I'm, I'm in a mother book right now. Y'all won't leave me alone. Yeah, so, doing my <laughs> so I'm just writing bunches and bunches of poetry still because their voices and their presence 
that whole spiritual essence of them somehow has just kind of glowing around me and they will they're like a beacon and I got to go to the poetry for them while I'm editing a middle grades fantasy right now I'm like I'm really working with these fairies can you leave me alone and they're like no I I was telling uh some writer friends that when I was writing my new women's fiction book that I had a character who kind of started talking to me because I had decided uh, it's about this one character gets into trouble and he knows he's going to go to jail. So he leaves his family and he, and he leaves the state and goes away. And one night I hear this voice in my head and it's this character saying, I want to come home. I miss my family. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I told my friends this, and so one of them's like, that's kind of weird, Maureen. I don't hear my characters talking to me. And then my other friend said, oh, yeah, my characters talk to me all the time. <laughs> and, and I listened. And I actually um, let him come home because that's where he wanted to go. And it made the book more interesting. Yes, because you honored him. You yeah. allowed him to have a like headspace. Like if yeah. you actually tell your characters, okay, we're open for business now. Yeah. <laughs> they don't understand the closed sign. They'll yeah. come and get you at any time of the day or night and say, wait a minute, what did you do? I want to come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trust me, Maureen. I'm feeling that process. Mm -hmm. Now, in the past, I've always just sat in front of a screen and I've just started to type. I'll either have a dream or I'll just have this person that won't leave me alone in my head. And I'm like, OK, sweet potato, what do you got to say? Or, or any of my other characters. I kind of know just a little snapshot of who they are. How did it start for you with Lucky? Was it a, was it lucky? Was it the dad story? Where did it kind of start to take shape for you? It, it did start with Lucky's voice. And typically when I first start either a short story or a novel, I hear the, I hear their voice. I come up like the first line just kind of flows into me and out to the paper. And I start writing the first scene. So there's something that um, lines up and starts developing and it, it comes more as a voice. Poetry is a little different, although poetry, I will have lines drop into my head. Poetry with me is more image driven. I'll visually see things. It's almost like having a waking dream. And I think with short story writing and novel writing, it feels like you know, I'm a camera and I'm just watching them and I'm, I'm recording what's happening. Yes. And and then suddenly somebody else will be in the scene. And I'm like, OK, what are you guys going to talk about? You know, what's the conflict? What are you going to say? Um, what do you want? What can't you have? You know, I, I try to be aware of pacing. You know, to have good pacing in a novel, especially, I think you have to know your characters inside out you have to know their internal world and their external world what are the things that they want internally mm -hmm. that they cannot have and you have to keep throwing rocks at your characters what are the obstacles that you keep throwing at them just when one problem is about to be solved another problem happens so keep throwing when i teach creative writing that's what i tell my students you know put your character in a tree and keep throwing rocks at them 
And you know, that actually sounds pretty cruel, but I will say that usually we let it be okay in the end, but it is kind of like what we put our characters through is a little bit of a torture sometimes. Well, there'd be no story to tell in the tree and they got everything they want. Um, I tell my students that uh, I say, first imagine you're in this classroom and the door is shut. And the bell, if there's a bell, the bell rings, you open the door, you leave, you stop and see a friend, you go home, you go to sleep. Why is that worth telling? It's not. Now, let's picture that same door closed and you try to open the door and you can't open it. And suddenly water starts flooding under the door and coming into the classroom and you have no way out. We, we've brought on, you know, the, um, the problem, the conflict, the main event. Um, so that is an obstacle you have to set up right away so that we want to keep reading the page. And so before I would just sit in front of that and type and type. And with my last adult novel, I was trying to thriller for the first time and I needed to know the whole who done it. Mm-hmm. I needed to find out, wait, who is my serial killer here? And so I actually started with the third act and actually tried to plot it out, which I'm not even going to say it was a plot. It was like just this loose notes of kind of how it would shape in the end, who my foil characters were, who my serial killer was, that whole kind of thing. And I tried that for the first time. I don't know if I would ever go that approach again. Like I tried it for that thriller. I wanted to work through that save the cat beats. I wanted to look at the three act structure And I still honored the voice of my character and I still allowed events to unfold. And when the mayor showed up, I was like, wait, he's not in any of these little outline plans. And so I was pretty much what they would say, the plant, sir, with that one. But is your typical style just to let it free flow as your first draft free flow? Or do you do some organizational techniques? What I try to do now, because it saves time in the end, and I'm all about saving time because I'm busy, and I don't like to waste my time either. <laughs> we have a limited number of years here and I want to use them well. So what I try to do is list plot points throughout my book. And I have a page for each character. And I ask myself for each chapter, what is it I want to accomplish with, with this character, these characters by the end of the chapter? Something has to happen. And something has to make us want to keep reading. So if nothing happens, I delete that chapter. Something has to happen and it has to pull the action forward in the book. Right, because if it's not pushing the plot, what is it doing? It's just taking up space. Yeah, so I I write down plot points and I try to kind of list out chapters, what what the internal and external conflict would be in in the character or characters. I try to list events too that will work with the plotting. Um, I try to think of book ending scenes, like you know what's what's going to start the book, what's going to end it. I like when there's an echo, if I can do that. Um, but I, I want to list sort of action points that have to happen in each chapter and it takes a lot of pre-work and note taking and thinking i do a lot of just brainstorming once again my husband is a great sounding board 
So if we're driving to the mountains, I'll say, okay, so why would this character do this? Or, you know, if, if you have a character that's not a good character, they have to be a three-dimensional character because the reader has to care about them somewhat. If you have someone who's all bad, it's not realistic and, and mm -hmm. the reader won't care about that character. So I have to think of well, how can I balance out that character? Um, he has to have some likable quality. So I spend a lot of time thinking probably when I'm taking walks and um, driving. I spend a lot of time in my head. I always have. So um, I think just thinking things out and writing down notes um, helps prepare so that when you sit down and write the chapter, um, you're not going to waste a lot of time and energy. Right. And then all of it just falls into place because you know where you're going. You see the headlights, you know. You kind yeah. of know where you're going. And that's something that I think a lot of authors would love to hear from you, Maureen, is that process. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes that one comes up a lot when people are saying, you know, well, how do you get an idea or how do you build characters or what happens next? Mm -hmm. It's really not anything like to me, the five step formula that's going to make you a successful book author. I think that's so gimmicky. I think it's finding your way, like just finding your process and what works for you. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, there is no one way for everyone. Um, I have found what works for me. Now, I know some people can just start writing and it all kind of works out for them. They must be, um, they must have superior brains and organizational <laughs> skills in their heads than I do. But it really helps me to really flesh out the characters on paper. And I, I just notes, you know, you don't have to. Like I don't have to pre-write 50 pages and then work with it. I have, um, with Lucky Brilliant, I actually created a board with character names and places. And that way, if I forgot the name of a place, I could go back to it. And I think having kind of a board in front of you is helpful. I have friends who have sticky notes all over their house. <laughs> uh, whatever works for you. But I think that you have to pay attention to that story arc and have an inciting event and work on your pacing throughout the book or your reader is not going to want to keep reading. Right. You'll lose them. You'll drop them. Yeah. That's even right. if you, even if you hook them at the beginning, the thing is though, is the hook with the emotional appeal of that character. Yes. yes. Because if, if I love a character, I'm going to stick with her or with him throughout the story because I know there's going to be some kind of obstacles. I know there's going to be the drama. And so if I love that character and you did such a beautiful job of having me love Lucky from the beginning. That's good. So, you know, if we were to break that down for people, how is that done? It's kind of interesting to look at novels that you like. What, you know, what was it? Um, do we care about someone more because they have a cat or a dog because they're kind to children and animals? Um, what is it that makes us care about a character? I think that's an interesting mm -hmm. question for writers to consider. How do you, how do you create a three-dimensional character that we care about? What are those things you can do when you are writing that character to make us feel something? Cause it's hard to do. It's very hard to do. Unless they come at you and say, hello, I'm here. 
change yeah. the story and then you're like well i thought i knew you but now i don't <laughs> what are you doing in my head yeah no. you just reintroduced yourself in a new way wait wait let me capture that too i loved how you said it felt like a camera yeah. i love that yeah, yeah. I, i'm very visual and you know because i've spent a lot of time in my head my whole life since i was a kid i can visually see things happening um and hear what's going you know what they're gonna say um you know so the scenes now will kind of drop into my head um but whatever way you get in touch with your characters and create the plotting and everything else um you know stick with it it's 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 a long haul it's a real long haul Speaking of that what advice would you give to aspiring authors out there authors that are just making this journey pinning their first words or poetry. What advice do you have for Maureen? Well, uh, same advice I give to my students at the college. You learn how to be a great writer by reading great writers. Look at models, um, read prolifically, read different types of literature, uh, read the masters, read things that you connect with. And then kind of try to take it apart. What was it about their writing that you liked? And try to mimic that. I'm not saying plagiarize, I'm saying <laughs> um, doing what they did well. And you have to write a lot. So I'd suggest keeping a journal and writing every day, um, trying to write something short, um, keep a journal of your ideas, your thoughts, um, character building in journals, and go to other writing events. You know, participate in community readings at indie bookstores and form a writer's group or, or join a writer's group. And you can meet by Skype these days or whatever, Zoom. Um, so just stay connected to the literary world. Join the North Carolina Writers Network. If you're a poet, the North Carolina Poetry Society. Surround yourself with writers who love this as much as you do and join the good writer organizations and just Write every day, carve out time. Um, you're busy, I'm busy. Uh, if you have to get up at five in the morning or four in the morning to, to write or um, find some time at night, hire a babysitter, go to a, go to a bookstore or a coffee shop if any are open right now and, and write for an hour. But if you don't do it every day, um, you're not gonna get better at it. Mm -hmm. and, and read a lot of good books. But those are my best suggestions. Love them all. I take every one of those to hearts. I talk with my writing ladies about that a lot. Yeah. The modeling, just especially within your genre, surrounding yeah. yourself by other author friends is important. Because, yeah. listen, my husband loves me to the moon and back. But I can tell sometimes it's like, OK, that's enough of the writer talk. And then I'll say, OK, thank you, honey. And then I'll run and then I'll go and I'll talk to my friends about it or I'll text them. And it's just nice to have that. My husband's great and he does support what I do. Um, it's funny that he would not read like Sweet Potato. The only book he's ever read that I wrote was my horror book because we love to watch horror movies together. Oh, okay. Like that's, that's my thing. And so he's like, okay, I read that one. I'll read your serial killer book when it comes out, but all of this other mushy romance, that's not for me. I, I, I don't want that. But, um, well, I hit the jackpot this time marrying a writer, but I still have to be um, respectful of his own writing time. And, you know, we have to give each other that space, but, 
it is so wonderful to have another writer in the house. I have a built-in writers group, but I also have um, female writer friends that I gather with and need to talk to about um, writing novels because my husband is not writing a novel, so it's a different different thing too. And he may, and it would be brilliant, and it we would be very lucky to have yeah. it in our bookshelves. Maybe when he retires eventually, that will be what he does, yeah. So do you see Lucky having a continuation? Do you think it's a series, or do you think Lucky's done? I don't know. I'll have to revisit that. I need to set her aside, and I need to write this other young adult novel, and I need to try to get an agent for my finished women's fiction book. And, um, you know, who knows? I, I, I had a second book for the, the fairy tales. I wrote um, after the fairy tale in 2007, and then I wrote a longer beyond fairy tales many years later. So who knows? Sometimes I revisit things. I'm just saying, I loved her and Silas. I'd like to see where that continues to go. She's only 15. She's got a few more years to go. She does. She does. Going and she's learning all about that. I can just see it. So I'm just telling you selfishly that. Okay. <laughs> so if you decide, in the future, I have I have a buyer for that book in the future. <laughs> if you ever need a beta reader and you go, hey, I did that thing and um, I've written book two, uh, I can beta read too. <laughs> say I'm enjoying your book. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten as far along as my husband has. He's much further into it. Um, I am just swamped with my online classes and I just started two more late start online classes today. So yeah. um, I can't wait to finish it. Um, but I'm loving the the main character and her family yeah. and the situation. So I yeah. look finishing that as well. So Maureen, I want to just wish you luck. Thank on you. your agency search and your writing and balancing everything that you do. You are a phenomenal writer. And I do want to let you know, fingerprints on this heart Aww. for your work, like truly. And I'm just so grateful that you were here to share your story with us and all of these writing tips. Guys, y'all got to go check out Maureen's book, Lucky Brilliant. Please, Maureen, are you online where you're connecting yeah. with people? So I'm on Instagram. I have a website. So if you want to look up Lucky Brilliant and find the links to that or other books, just go to Maureen Sherbondi. So it's S-H-E-R-B-O-N-D-Y.com. And my youngest son, who's a techie guy, um, did my website. So I think it looks pretty good. Yes, it's awesome. Yes. So you can go there and you can find um, Lucky at Amazon. Um, or at some of the independent bookstores. You can request it at different indie bookstores. I'm trying to get it into libraries. Um, it's available through Ingram. So that feeds into a lot of things like Target and Walmart and all those, yeah. those big, big stores. Um, but I favor the independent bookstore. So if you can get it there, do that. And you can also get it from the publisher. Um, if you want an, an autographed copy, I have some author copies and, um, I won't charge for shipping. I can um, send it to you. So just write me an email through my website. There's a link where you can, um, there's a contact form and um, just tell me you heard about it from um, your podcast and it'll just be the cost of 
the book and then I can send it to anywhere in the United States. Awesome. And so I will drop your links down below in the description so that way everybody can have it. Um, but Maureen, just thanks again for spending time with me this afternoon and carving out this little special space for us to share our love of books and Lucky. Um, just wish you much success in the future. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.